Hello and welcome to Baby Talk, an eagerly anticipated version of Baby Talk, because we are bringing back the original co-host of this program, at least for today. He is uh, formerly with Gainesway. He now works for Eclipse Thoroughbred Partners. He's Sean Tugel. Sean, how are things? Oh, going great, Pete. Thanks to have me back on. Uh, it's been a long time, but uh, always a pleasure. So it'll be fun. We've missed you. Have you missed us? You can be honest. You know, I will say there are some times I miss you, Pete. Uh, <laughs> the pause was telltale there. The pause was telltale there, people. You know. Well, when... you know those 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 uh, you know ten o'clock recording sessions when we're trying to jam it in after dinner at Saratoga. I don't miss those. I don't miss those. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. We've 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 gone easier on the various co-hosts. What we do, what we do for the listeners, Pete. What we do for the listeners. Well, it's the kind of thing too where you can say at the end of the year, you know, it took twenty people to to replace me as we're doing this, you know, different format with the the rotating guests. And we've had some great ones, but it's good to have you back in the saddle, metaphorically, to talk about these three juvenile stakes races, all of which have major Breeders' Cup implications. Win in your inaction. It is not nice weather here in New York. It is on the cooler side. It is it is raining. Keep that in mind as we handicap these races. I do uh, I, I do believe that uh, the Pilgrim will stay on the turf. Um, if that changes, you can you can take that analysis with a grain of salt. But we're going to start off in New York with these two races, and then we'll move out to California. We're going to start with race number eight, four forty one Eastern, the scheduled post time for the Grade One Frisette for these two year old fillies going a mile. A field of seven going postward in this spot, led by a filly who had, when she made her debut at Saratoga, all kinds of fastest horse in the world vibes, talking of chocolate gelato, and she did not win on debut, but then she came back just a few weeks later and showed why she had all those fastest horse in the world vibes about her before her start when she absolutely romped in a maiden special weight looking every bit worth the hype that had been put on her before debut curious to know sean tugel when it comes to this year's frisette are you with chocolate gelato or are you against her well i am my my top pick is going to be uh two spots to her outside six the great maybe obviously uh chocolate gelato her, her second time start that was a pretty gaudy number there of a 92 uh, you know uh practical joke was the winner of, of of the champagne at a mile so she that's who she's by so she should she should like that although it'll be her longest trip to date uh, she does have the two starts under her belt but uh from a handicapping standpoint and, and for a horse i think can make another step forward uh, to be competitive in that same number that Chocolate Gelato uh, ran last time out. Like, you know, for Chocolate Gelato, if she runs back to that number, it could be a winning number, but does she have another step forward in her to get up to the mid-90s, almost to 100 buyer at this point, third start as a two-year-old? So, you know, for, I'm looking for a horse that in its second start might take a little bit of a step forward, and uh, I'd much rather have 7-2 to two than 9-5. to five. I hear you. The numbers are different, but they're not that different. I think you make a great point that maybe there's not as much room to improve from start two to start three as there is for start one to start two, especially given that, you know, you really expect Cherie DeVoe runners based on their um, history to step up significantly in their in their second starts. At least I do. And then you've also got this very nice looking work tab. I haven't seen a clocker report or anything, but these three recent works from the great maybe 
I think they suggest a runner who's poised to move forward and to do so at a better price. Any of the others in here caught your eye in particular based on a pedigree angle or, or a betting angle potentially? You know, the only other horse there, obviously, uh, Raging Sea is a horse to, to keep an eye on. You know, also going to make its second lifetime start. It is by Curlin, who, uh, who does like a, more of an off-going. So the 437 wet number there in the, in the DRF uh, suggests that that horse may have a step forward, not only at second start, but also on an off-going. Uh, the two, you know, there was such a weird race uh, for American Rockette when she kind of broke very awkwardly and bolted to the outside rail in the, uh, in the, in the closing weekend. Uh, grade one there, Spinaway at Saratoga, but the number just came back so slow that, you know, does, you know, I, I, she had so much, you know, is it just one of those where she visually kind of caught your eye because she was the only thing really making some kind of move and it was there and, you know, you get caught up in that versus, you know, these other horses are just faster and better than her. So I do think maybe, um, give American Rockhead a little bit of a, you know, for the under, you know, second and third place finish maybe. But uh, I'm leaning between Chocolate Gelato and, and the Great Maybe as the top two choices with the Curl and Philly of Chad Browns as, as you know, kind of a B, B horse that if she takes the move forward and really relishes the off track might run a really big one. I do like Raging C to get somewhere in the number here. I think she just showed a lot of scope for improvement based on that debut run. Never easy to debut at seven. I think it's fair to say that not a ton was expected given the fact that she was nearly seven to one on debut and just showed a lot of courage, I thought, uh, fighting back in that spot. And now you've got this interesting series of works, the one three back being the one I think looks interesting on the tab, that five furlongs in just over a minute. Saw Chad Brown annex the, the champagne yesterday, and she does seem like one of all the ones in this race, the one I'm probably the most confident is going to appreciate the extra ground that she's going to get and is also going to appreciate the off-going. So I'm going with the great maybe, but I'll have plenty of raging sea on my tickets as well when it comes to the frisette. Let's pivot to the Pilgrim. We've got a field of 12 signed on for this mile and the 16th test on the turf. Grade 2 level, winning your inaction for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. And this one, I certainly think the ground is a, a potential factor. Interesting to see that with as many foreign-bred horses as we've seen in the two-year-old turf ranks in, in the States, we do not have any uh, parentheses and letters after the names in this race. Where is your eye drawn, Sean? Well, this is this certainly is is difficult when you're kind of uh, uncertain. I, I think we're probably pretty certain that it's uh, going to be a very soft going today, um, and and so that that to me is uh, the biggest question mark. And and kind of I want my top selection to be the nine. I'm going to say La Chaise as uh, the name, the Oscar Forest. But I'm skeptical of the Oscar Forces and them truly appreciating the softer going. I thought uh, in the in the with anticipation, uh, and the winner is um, Wayne Catalano's horse, who's by Oscar Forrest. It seemed like he may have hung just a little bit that last 16th, and I think hopped to the wrong lead, and that might have been, you know, a little bit. That was a softer going that day. I've seen in the maiden race where a horse who, um, you know, was was kind of touted and expected to run well caught a softer going, maybe at Kentucky Downs and kind of underperformed. So. That's my biggest question mark with, with Lachaise. 
the Oz performance. I've, I've been very impressed with the Oz performances so far. Um, just waiting on that first black type horse to, to jump up and, and, and win. He had one run second in the, uh, the juvenile at Kentucky Downs, Deer District, who's run some good races. So number nine, LaChase, is my top pick, but uh, the ground is my biggest question. I'm also, uh, two other horses I have my eye on would be the one fly right, still a maiden, but his uh, full sister, trained by Leah Jaramati last year, won the sister race, the Miss Grillo. Um, so even though he's a maiden, I thought his first race was very good. Uh, good timing coming into this race. And again, you know, all three horses I'm looking at, the one, the five, Battle of Normandy, and the nine, Chase, all seem to have tactical speed. Um, maybe the one fly right might end up on the lead. Uh, don't know if that's exactly where you're going to want to be, but I do think tactical speed, um, might be beneficial in this race for, for horses who have it. So the nine is, is my top pick with the biggest question mark being the ground. And I'll probably use battle Normandy and, and the one fly right to maybe break his maiden. If everything goes right too. We need to give a, at least a, a nice mention to number 10. I'm very busy who ran so impressively for Chad Brown on debut. This was a horse that seemed to have a, a little bit of natural speed. I, I liked the way this horse moved through the race while looking pretty green feels like a runner who's supposed to come on from that the questions being the softness of the turf the outside post position and also like all of these having to answer a question about how he's going to get over this ground but i think on the talent he showed on debut i'm very busy one that should be considered in the mix did you have a particular knock on this one or is it more not wanting to have the favorite in such a competitive race with so many question marks well listen Prot stays on and chad brown you know, in these turf races, it's hard to look past those connections. Personally, I wouldn't have been a fan of cloud computing on the turf. And I think I'd be even more against a cloud computing on a softer turf. So he might be turning quads in my face after he wins this race, but I don't think I can use him in, in this position. I'll say this about Chad Brown of, of many of his training attributes. One thing I'll say is I feel like he has more horses that he chooses to run on turf who on their blood you'd say you wouldn't think this horse would do well on turf and they tend to run through it and i'm you know i'm not just interested in betting the horse because chad brown is the trainer i'm not that master of the obvious but when i see a trainer get horses to run through that situation where the bloodlines say one thing but they say something else and they're usually right that's why i'm for me putting this a little bit more in the hands of in Chad Brown we trust. Have you noticed that similarly with me, horses of his before excelling on turf, even when the pedigree says maybe not? Look, I mean, I'm not going to peg him as just a turf trainer, but I do think trainers are a creature of habit, and I would say where does Chad Brown feel most comfortable? Two turns on the turf. So his program is really kind of geared around that, and, you know, every horse runs on turf their entire life until we take them to a racetrack so that's what they grow up running on i'm not going to say one is better than another on turf i think it's just talent shows up there so um listen if again i'm not going to second guess chad brown where he's placing his horses um but i think when you get to the stakes quality and class that's where you know the pedigree and what, of course, truly wants to run on 
versus the, you know, some other surface. I think that's when it's going to be um, brought out the most. You know, that's when you're really going to see it. So, you know, running against maidens, when none of these horses have won, he just might just be better than, the, than, than those horses, obviously. But now running against, you know, pretty much all winners and horses who have run multiple times, um, you know, it'll be the acid test today, that's for sure. No doubt about it. I've got one more I want to mention that's going to be an absolutely massive price in this spot. And I'm not just saying this because he's by Tappet and uh, Gainsway are sponsoring the show. I think number six data man is a little bit interesting. Now, this horse on paper is just much too slow, but we're dealing with a grand motion trainee. And I feel like of all trainers, we see with young horses coming into big spots on major circuits, we see the, his horses step up in numerical terms on a fairly regular basis. We see horses of his that win their maiden at places like Colonial or Laurel, and they're a little light on numbers, but then late in the year, they'll come and they'll run big races in big spots. Data Man, you know, I'm not seeing a ton of soft turf pedigree, but this is a nice female family. I was a big fan of Alda. Um, who, who's uh, kin to this one, the dam being a soldata by Maria's Mon. But this is a horse, if, especially in a, a situation where there are so many questions about runners. I don't want to see a grand motion horse light on numbers with a nice pedigree beat me in this spot. And uh, Joel Rosario, master of hold-up rides, maybe some others do a little too much too soon in this spot. And uh, here's Joel with a double handful as they're turning in. I, I don't want that scenario to beat me in this spot with a horse that might be 20 to one. Did you, did you give data man any count? Well, I, I'm glad you brought this horse up because he's one that I'm like, Oh man, you know, that horse, you know, his first start was in Saratoga. So obviously Graham had high expectations for the horse. And interesting enough, Rosario was on that horse that day going short on the turf. Yep. Um, was being nine lengths that day. Goes to Colonial, goes a mile, and wins by a length and a quarter. Doesn't get the best number, but is that because Colonial's just not going to get as good of a number as a Saratoga maiden? So I totally agree with you that this horse could be a great play, especially that Rosario is back aboard the horse uh, when he was beating almost 10 lengths on him first time out and uh, does have the mile win under his belt. So I do think, listen, this if, if I have as many question marks in this race as you do, and the last thing I need to do is get Rosario in motion to blow, <laughs> blow me up in any type of multi-race uh, situation. So, yeah, I think that horse is, is a must-use in, 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 on tickets if you're spreading. Now, hopefully this race is going to stay on the turf, but I will mention if they do go on to the to the dirt, I will probably be looking to get involved with number three major dude, the, the Todd Pletcher runner in here by Bolt Doro. We've talked a bit on these shows about uh, about the season. He's having uh, distorted humor on the damn side. This is a horse who has not run on off going, but I think would handle it. Um, I'm not so sure. Uh, too many question marks for me on turf, but if the race gets moved over, definitely one that I'd want to have on my radar. Hopefully... The rain is going to stay within control, and this race can stay on its intended surface. Any other thoughts on the Pilgrim before we head out west, my friend? 
No, I think we covered it. All right, let's go out to California. Terrific card out there today. Definitely, as you're doing whatever you're doing on your Sunday, watching NFL, etc., have this uh, have the Santa Anita card on in the background. There's some good stuff. The race we're going to focus on for these two-year-olds going five furlongs on the grass is the Speakeasy Stakes. Now, we spoke before about how if a horse doesn't have turf pedigree and is trained by Chad Brown, I tend to give the benefit of the doubt. Here we have pretty much the exact opposite situation with a horse in number nine, Speedboat Beach, that on figures absolutely lays over this field. But trainer Bob Baffert with a horse that has, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean, but I see no discernible turf breeding whatsoever on Speedboat Beach. I've just got to take a shot against with this one because of that, even though the figure monkey in me um, is itching a little bit to throw out a horse that ran such a huge number on debut but i i just don't i just can't trust it and then this horse four to five on the morning line i think could be more like one to two so i'm gonna look elsewhere what do you think of speedboat beach for me i wouldn't look anywhere but speedboat beach you know pioneer the nile has had grade one winners on turf byern you know it's the awfully wild wild again there's some turf influence there Let's remember the turf at Santa Anita is a very hard, fast turf. Um, anytime Bob Baffert has a horse in a turf stakes race, I just remind myself of always a princess winning the great one, Del Mar Oaks. Yep. And this horse has nothing but speed, which is perfect for turf sprinting. Bob Baffert only wins turf races when he has a horse who can go gate the wire, very much like always a princess du jour in recent memory. Yep. Um, and look, this horse drawn outside, all he has to do is break and just kind of see what's going to happen. Might just go to the lead and be so much faster than the rest. Um, I see nothing that should tell me to go somewhere else. And the horse probably runs here because he's going for the Breeders' Cup turf sprint because there's a horse called Cave Rock in Bob Afford's barn, yep. the best two-year-old in the country. So it's hard to look anywhere else but here. But if I had to, strictly because the horse does have multiple wins, or I'm sorry, one win but multiple starts, second place twice, uh, coming out of state-bred stakes races, and that is the Mike Pipey uh, trainee straighten up the two horse. Uh, that would be my exact. Uh, could he upset the horse on the outside? Stranger things have happened, but uh, he'd be the only horse that would be getting my money trying to beat him. He's the one that I liked and I was going to use as an alternative, though you are absolutely convincing me that I need to have as a backup a 9-2 straight exacta uh, with straighten up in second. But you look at the female family of this horse and, and it's just very impressive. It's just so much precocity with four mm -hmm. to make it to the races. They all wanted to. Two of the three won on turf. This is this one's first start on, on turf as well. And between the experience... Absolutely some solid numbers if for some reason the turf ends up being an issue for speedboat beach this horse to me is the likely one to take advantage so we're in uh we're, we're in you've convinced me enough that i'm no longer even going to say that we disagree about speedboat beach because everything you said just made too much sense but i will be focusing my action on the two straighten up who you see as the logical alternative to the big favorite speedboat beach and then yeah this will this race i have a feeling is going to end up being a key form line for that breeder's cup uh, 
juvenile turf sprint, a race where Speedboat Beach, assuming he does what the numbers say he's going to do in this first start on turf, could go a heavy favorite for. Uh, and will be interesting to see what ends up coming over from overseas for the juvenile turf sprint. But you would think that that's a race where USA runners could have uh, potentially a, a decided uh, advantage um, uh, just because of how much of a test of speed that it's going to end up being. Um, any other still yeah, thoughts on this one or on the weekend, my friend? No, and I, I was going to one horse to definitely keep an eye on for, for people, you know, what's exciting is we're, you know, we're, we're talking about winning your in races and it feels like these last 30 days, uh, for the Breeders' Cup, you know, if, if, you, if you're going to play those multi-races, now's the time where to really keep the notes and you have time to see replays. But it, it, these two-year-olds make such big jumps. And, uh, you know, that horse in Prairie Meadows called Tyler's Tribe, uh, word was he was going to be pointing for the turf sprint. I think he's had two or three races under 110 already uh, in hand rides. He won last night the Prairie Meadows Iowa Cradle. So That's a great that's point. That's a horse that... That hasn't been talked about much, but he's got the speed, and he might just got them sharp. As tackers have been running great on turf so so far, so very interesting. Uh, the all the storylines are going to come together in the next thirty days. Uh, see what where all these uh, are going to come from all over the country and all over the world. So that's a terrific it, point about Tyler's Tribe as an interesting horse under the radar at the moment but uh, quite possibly a horse that, that uh, you know, if Speedboat Beach runs an average figure here, a horse, who knows, among that USA contingent could, could be favored for a race like that. No anti-post markets for that race yet, but that's all going to be forming. And, Sean, it was great having you back on. We look forward to – we're going to find some way to get you back on these airwaves before the Breeders' Cup as well, maybe to give some more thoughts on these, uh, on these babies, whether it's under the Baby Talk banner or, or something else. But uh, always a pleasure, my friend. And we look forward to chatting with you again soon. I always enjoy it. And uh, good luck to everybody on on the races. And uh, we'll talk soon. That's the plan. Thank you one more time to Sean Tugel. And thanks to our friends at Gainsway for sponsoring these episodes of Baby Talk. We've had a lot of the Baby Talk integrated into our late week show. But it's always fun to get to do the standalone Baby Talks as well. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Cotney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Genshin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatal. May the hammer drop your way. <laughs>